0: Hello and welcome back to Tales from a Cult Insider, your newest favorite podcast in which I tell stories about growing up in an actual cult that lived here in the U.S. for a majority of its life. This is episode 23. It is called A Loving Hippie with a Temper Part 2, and yes, it's about my mother. Much like episode 22 is a About my mother, and it was part one. I'm rambling. Let's get through the first stuff, and then we'll get to the episode, and then we'll be done almost with this season. That's right. We'll talk about that in a second. So, as you know, I'm here to tell you stories about growing up in this cult. The cult was a commune, right? It's crazy. It started out in the 60s as an offshoot of Scientology. It was called the Process Church of the Final Judgment at that time, and it was, at the time, one of the more sort of infamous cults over there in the UK. When I was born, though, around the time I was born, not due to me being born, the cult broke apart into those dedicated to the process, you could say, and those who made a new culty commune called the Foundation Faith of the Millennium, which evolved over the years and finally morphed into Best Friends Animal Society. So I'm here to tell you all about being a kid in this somewhat strange secretive religious commune. Now, I, I will have an episode in the next season that details the actual timeline of the cult, Uh, and how it divided and why it divided and as much as I can find. I have a lot more research to do because I was born, again, in the month that that final schism, which is what they call it, um, happened between people who ended up adhering to the process and people who ended up going into the cultic commune, the foundation faith of the millennium, which was the foundation faith of God for much of my life. So, uh, again, next season, I'll be giving you a timeline episode or two. As always, if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Um, If I get enough questions during the off-season, I can make a special episode uh, in which I answer all the questions. You're welcome to ask. You can reach me at jared at jaredgarrett.com with your comments, your questions, your hopes and dreams, your recipes for uh, beef stroganoff, uh, one of my favorite dishes, uh, whatever you like. So I do speaking engagements as well. Uh, funny, inspiring, uh, thought-provoking speaking engagements for any group, club, Kiwanis, whatever. Reach out to me and we can chat. So, um, back to this episode. But before we get into it, really, let's make this brief. I think I mentioned this before. Uh, because of the heavy-duty amount of work I'm doing and trying to get done with my own stories, you know, I write novels. If you don't know I write novels, I don't know where you've been listening. But yeah, I write novels, you know, adventure novels. Uh, with heart, uh, that are fantastic, you know, either science fiction or fantasy, and it's for readers of all ages, people who just love to read fun stories about characters they'll fall in love with, who go through a ton of crap to do the right thing, um, and just do the right thing. That's their main focus. It's usually out of love. So, this is season one, and season one's going to end after the next episode, which is episode 24. Uh, We're going to take a several-month break, and then we'll start up again with season two. Um, and uh, that's because, again, I need a break. Because so, I have all the work I'm trying to do. And um, I think that it'll be fine to, to just keep this out there, keep this going. Um, there, 24 episodes is plenty to bird, binge through. That's 12 hours of podcast. And as most of us know, if we're listening to podcasts, even one podcast, we're usually listening to several. I have several I listen to. I'm going to mention them here. I listen to a friend of mine's podcast. It's called Brother Trucker uh, Book Club. Uh, a friend of mine named Graham. He runs this. He's a he's a trucker. He drives trucks for commercial for his job, um, and he's got a CDL and all that stuff. And he does a book club in which he gives recommendations on all the books he's read. He's a well-read fellow. He also writes books. Uh, his his podcast episodes tend to be about ten to fifteen minutes long. Really, really smart. Really, uh, he, he, right to the point. He doesn't waste time. A very interesting fellow. And he's got good taste in books in general. I agree with him on a lot of stuff. I think I have a slightly higher tolerance for um, the long, 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 long epic stuff, which tends to wander. Uh, But that's just because I think that I grew up on that. That's the stuff I've loved my whole life. Um, Now, you may notice that my voice may sound a little different. I think that it will probably come through okay still, though. That is because my family and I went on a flash road trip. Uh, We had the opportunity. We had the money. Um that we had put together over some time and we zipped on down to Anaheim last week uh, on Thursday and spent Friday and Saturdays just having a great time at Disneyland and Disneyland, California adventure or however you call it. It was the family's first time going. My wife had gone, uh, I think around when she was in school. And I went when I was a senior in high school after getting out of the cult. Um, Hey Jared, when are you going to tell us the story about getting out of the cult Give it time, folks. Give it time. It's a big, long story. we got a lot of episodes to get through. Uh, yeah, so I went 37 years ago to, uh, or 27 years ago, excuse me, to Disneyland. So it was my, my first time in a long time. The family's first time. We had a great time. Uh, Space Mountain was, again, my favorite ride. I uh, screamed and hollered and had a great time and lost my voice fairly thoroughly. <laughs> so it's slowly coming back, but I keep having to talk at work. Fancy that, talking to human beings at work. And uh, so my voice is still a little... A little struggly. And that's not a word, but I don't care. I use whatever words I say and want to say here. So uh, we've talked about uh, my water activities. You just uh, water seems to have featured into a lot of stuff. I still like water. In um, last episode, we talked about my mother, who I have termed a loving hippie with a temper. Now, I didn't talk about her temper yet. We're getting there. Uh, I want to get into a little bit of more about her. Um, I'm hoping we can get this done in less than 30 minutes because I think that, uh, you know, I'm, I know podcasts can go long, but I think figure why not be uh, right to the point, which I haven't been. We're six minutes in. I haven't even started. So here we go. My mother, as you know, uh, she joined the cult. Um, she changed her name, changed her name again. I only knew her by Magdalene. So um, my one of my first, uh, the first memory slash images that I have of her is her hair. Long, beautifully golden red, you could say. Mostly red, with some beautiful, deep, uh, varied tones. Uh, very long, as she kept it at least to mid-back, probably longer. Um, beautiful, beautiful hair. Uh, and um, I remember, I don't remember, know how old I was, three or four. I just remember it. And then I remember uh, her leaning toward me at one point, and her hair kind of brushing forward, as well as her amulet that she wore, this amulet. yeah, it was It's got the symbol of the foundation on it. Uh, if you, if you've updated the artwork or if you've updated your podcast, I've updated the artwork to reflect that. So it's not just the iron cross motif that you, that, that, that was the processes, um, logo. So in any case, um, yeah, so my long, beautiful hair turns out our, our biological daughter, she got that hair, um, except for she doesn't, it's not quite as red, but long, luxurious, beautiful, shiny gold hair. Uh, it, it's, it's. It was just a major feature for uh, of my mother, um, and she always just kept it long, and it was um, honestly a little disappointing to me as, as I started to gray. But she, she's just a yeah, her hair was 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 a major visible characteristic of her that I recall very well. Now my relationship with her, well, it's it, both simple and kind of complex, especially as I've gotten older and tried to understand things more and tried to come to peace with things. Um, as far as I can tell, the parents weren't really involved very much in their kids' lives after about the age of three. And by parents, really, I should say mom. Um, I, I, I know a couple of the kids that I grew up with actually did uh, spend time as a child of two parents, their actual parents. But that was a fairly unusual experience to be having. As I've mentioned before, you know, um, we've gone over a lot of this stuff, I mean, we're, this, this is our full 12th hour of, of, of this podcast. So it's a lot to talk about. Um, I did not, and I was amongst many who were like, who went through the same experience, which was at around age three, um, our mother, who had been primarily responsible for us, was no longer responsible for us. Uh, we were sent into the group of what could fairly be referred to as the cult orphans. Foundation orphans, you could say. Now, our parents weren't dead, but they were essentially dead to us uh, for the most part and for much of our life, for many aspects of our life. Certainly, they weren't the person we could go to uh, if we hurt ourselves. They weren't the person we could go to for a snuggle or a hug. We didn't hear I love you from them. We didn't um, have any kind of lengthy relationship or quality time with them. Um, They were just gone from our lives at that point. Interestingly, though, I did spend about the first seven years of my life in the same cult branch, as I've mentioned. You know, the cult did divide into branches, especially got more uh, solidified with those branches as as I grew up. Um, but I was with her in New York; she was in New York. We I was with her in Pennsylvania, and around age seven, which is when I left Pennsylvania, is when I stopped living in the same branch as her consistently, um, because she stayed in Pennsylvania when I left, and. Then she wound up, uh, I, I think, essentially permanently assigned to the first ranch, Faith Canyon, in Arizona. Following that, um, assigned permanently to Best Friends or Angel Canyon, uh, back when it became the first, the new headquarters. And then she just was essentially the handmaiden to Marianne, who was the crazy person who ran the cult. But I don't know. If, I don't know if Marianne really ran the cult so much as. Uh, I, I, that's the thing. I don't know what her actual active role was, or if there uh, there was one. You'd think that there, she did have a role, but maybe she was just kind of doing her own thing at that point. I just don't know. My mother was her, her handmaiden, as far as I can tell, uh, utterly devoted to her. Uh, and, but yeah, at age seven, um, I was no longer physically present with her, and that remained the case for the rest of my life. Uh, yeah, um, that was it. And and you know, I, but I didn't notice. Uh, why? Well, it's kind of simple because yes, I'd been in the same branch, but she hadn't been treating me like a son. And I didn't know how to, you know, expect, I didn't know what my, my expectations as a son should have been towards her as a mother. Uh, and even if I did have any idea what that should have been, I didn't do it. Because there wasn't wasn't that relationship. I harp on this a lot, but there just wasn't that relationship. And so when I was sent from Pennsylvania, I think over to Dallas for the first time it was, yeah, um, that was that. I had no particular longing for my mom. I never called her mom or mother. I called her Magdalene. And I spent not a lot of time with her. Um, Most time I spent with Magdalene in uh, Pennsylvania was uh, cooking, but she wasn't doing much of the cooking there. Actually, she was much more of a bigwig uh, than that. Uh, and and so really I spent very little time with her. Um, certainly not a one-on-one parental child relationship, which is a shame because I do that with my own kids and they're delightful and fun. And I get to have these opportunities to talk to them and see them and hear them and listen to them and really get to know who those kids are and what their hearts are like. And, And I know that they value it. And boy, I tell you what I value it. I, I feel sad for my mother and for my dad in many ways, too, for not being able to have that much. I mean, grant, granted, and luckily for my dad, and not luckily, also by intention, he uh, he did have that with, with, our, with his daughter, my delightful, wonderful sister, Emma. So, uh, yeah, I didn't miss her. Uh, I didn't have any reason to. She was just another adult, um, who turned out was also my mother, who I knew that, but she was just an adult. So that was that, um, just no fanfare it's a non event it was a non emotional issue as far as i can tell as far as i can remember it was just that was that um we didn't talk we didn't have heart to hearts um didn't read to me my wife still reads to our, our our younger kids at minimum um so yeah that was that i moved to De- to dallas and then later to da- to denver and then to dallas again uh and my relationship with her consisted of uh irregular well regular phone calls and interactions type things for birthday and Christmas. And then later, when we started getting shipped out to best friends to help build things, dig trenches and build cat coops and build dog houses and, uh, you know, dig a lot of trenches, like I say, and and work with my dad for a long time, um, tapping into water tables. Uh, Until then, until that started happening, it was just, I'd get a call, you know, on my birthdays, usually in the evening. um, And... It was a, hey, how's it going? How how are things? How was your birthday? What did you get? Um, and and uh, if the card hadn't arrived by then, it would come later. And uh, that was that. Often there would be an "I love you," and I'd say I I don't know if I'd say "I love you" back, but not often. Sometimes it would be it would be there, and that was nice. But yeah, that that was that was that was our interaction until we started shipping out to best friends regularly every summer and that proved to be an interesting opportunity and we did have some time deliberately started by her uh, where we were able to interact and what that time consisted of my friends while we were at best friends was we would go to lunch Uh, now I was I would spend two months out of each of those summers uh, for those five summers age 12 13 up to 17 and two years, you know, two months working really hard, about 12 to 16 hour days. And um, yeah, we would go to lunch one one day uh, out of the time that we were there. You know, she was very busy. You know, she, I'm not making excuses, I'm just describing, right? She was very busy. She was always over at the lake house, that big giant mansion house they'd built out there with the intention of it being, well, with the, with, with the publicized intention of it being a temple for the adherents of the cult to spend time in and grow closer to whatever god that they were worshipping at the time. But it turned into basically a mansion for Marianne to live in and also Gabriel to live in, which is terrible. It was never supposed to have that kind of hierarchy as far as I know. There was always a a growth hierarchy and a progress hierarchy, but there shouldn't have been any kind of elitism in this thing that had started in the 60s. And so um, Magdalene was busy with her, always there, always cleaning, always helping her out as far as I know. Uh, I can only guess really in many ways. But um, you know, yeah, we she would uh, we 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 we'd see each other sometimes during lunch or dinner time um, after our workday was mostly done, and she would say, "Hey, let's uh, let's do dinner next week, or the f- week bef- or the following week, or tomorrow, or the, in a few days, do lunch that is." And um, for most of those years, there was a really pretty tasty Chinese restaurant called the Walk Inn, uh, just at the n- northish end of town. Um, and we'd go there, you know, when she'd have green tea, I'd have green tea. We'd have a really delicious meal. She'd always have vegetarian because she was a vegetarian. Um, and I didn't have vegetarian because I didn't care about that. <laughs> uh, she didn't, she wasn't offended by me, me eating meat in front of her guys. It was okay. I wasn't being a, t- a total yutz. So, uh, yeah, we'd go to lunch. And it was usually Chinese. And so I actually associate Chinese a little bit with those moments, which is nice. You know, it's a really nice moment. We talk about whatever, all kinds of things. Um, it were never very deep, these conversations. We wouldn't get into our, you know, the feelings of our soul. I wouldn't ask her, why the hell are we in a cult um, or anything like that? I wouldn't ask her about Daniel, who... Uh, would have died the year before, probably the summer before, let's see, no, yeah, the, the spring or winter or whenever time of year it was, before the first summer up there, never asked her, um, she never expressed any interest in getting into those kinds of conversations either, which is unsurprising, you know, given who she was, um, but yeah, we would chat, you know, about books, we, I, I read a lot, um, at that, by that time I was reading a ton, uh, Robert Ludlum, uh, Walter Farley, all the all that kinds of stuff. Uh, And she was reading too, you know, she played the cello and she read, those were her hobbies. Uh, And she was reading a lot of horror. So, you know, for her birthday and her Christmas gifts, I would often send her a book, often a Stephen King book. Um, And she would often send me a book and sometimes a Stephen King book too, or a Ludlam. Um, When I was much younger, she'd send me like a cowboy hat or boots or something that usually fit. Uh, But yeah, that, we would talk about books and just simple things like that. It was... Not to sit-around and languish for a long time. It was about 45 minutes or so. Those uh, summer lunches at the walk-in. Um, very pleasant. Very good food. And I don't drink green tea anymore for religious reasons. Uh, it is the only, truly, the single one thing I miss from my previous life wherein I was not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's the only thing I miss, guys. Um, I liked all the, the chemical stuff, the beverages, but the one I miss is green tea. That's soothing, comforting tea. Don't ask me why we don't drink tea. We just don't, I don't care. I don't long for it. I just miss it. Uh, and it's not that big of a deal to just not drink tea for me. You know what I'm saying? So back to, uh, the loving hippie with a temper. Let's get to that temper thing, shall we? First, let's quickly go over birthdays. Again, I would talk to Magdalene and Enoch who that was his name at the time, uh, birthdays and on Christmas. And um, that was the entirety of my relationship with Magdalene. And uh, for a short period of time, my dad came to Dallas after I'd been shipped there during my fifth grade year. So he was there for, I don't know, not that long. It seems like several months. And he happened to be there for my 11th birthday. So that was nice to have him around. He sat right next to me at the party thing that we did, um, gave me a gift. It was cool. Uh, as my mother kind of ran out of, um, things to like books to send me, she just started sending me cash, which I was fine with. Um, she, that, that was perfectly fine. But the problem was that I started buying a lot of ice cream with her gifts and her mom, my grandma would also send me money, usually a 20. I would buy a lot of sweets with that. Uh, that did not do well for my overall fitness. And it also gave the opportunity to the other youth, the boys that I lived with to tease me, uh, just relentlessly. Um, I bought a lot of Skittles guys. I liked, I liked Skittles, man. And uh, Adam, the, the kind of the chief you young man and Lord of the Flies, he'd be the guy with the conch all the time. Uh, he started saying, uh, Jared is skittling his money away and all that other stupid stuff. Um, yeah, I was though, I really like Skittles. I like Snickers a whole lot. I'd buy them and I'd freeze them. Um, I'd buy a lot of ice cream. Tin Roof Sunday was my favorite at the time. Uh, and there you go. So those were my birthday gifts, and that's what I spent them on. Mm. Sometimes I would buy books too, um, at like half price books there in Dallas. So let's get to um, a very quick uh, overview of how I got out, which I won't. We're not getting into a whole lot here, but I had the opportunity and the plan to get myself out of that cult and get my life going for myself. Um, When I was around 17, I took the opportunity. uh, Circumstances aided that opportunity, and I successfully was able to extricate myself from that cult situation and wound up uh, living in my father's house in downtown Kenab. Not in downtown. There's no downtown, really. In Kenab in the residential area. I feel like I might have said this once, too. So, yeah, I lived there. And, uh, but I didn't have a room or anything. I, I was sleeping on the floor on a futon, um, which was quite comfortable to tell you the truth. I mean, it was quite pleasant, but it was a living room. I didn't really have my own space. I hadn't really ever. Uh, so nothing new to me. Um, much later in life, I discovered as in just a couple of years ago, I discovered that, um, honestly, the situation was really similar to being in the foster system. Uh, being like an orphan in an orphanage and then going into kind of a foster situation, which is not meant to be mean or anything, but it really was what it was like because he was my dad biologically and we had that blood relationship, but we didn't have an emotional relationship by any means. And so we had to kind of start that from the ground up in many ways. So it really was like a foster situation. Furthermore, uh, I wish that I had said it was a foster situation uh, when applying for financial aid because... When I applied for financial aid, when I went to college, I had to show his income, even though I hadn't been his dependent, ever. So anyway, too bad. I uh, got out, uh, living on the living room floor, um, good times, but soon, after, not, not not that long after getting out, I'd started kind of going up on Sundays to make sure that you know, I saw her um, and had something to do, um, and so I'd, I'd often get a ride with a friend, or I'd get a ride up there with someone, but after a little while, I finally got a car um, and, uh, and a license, which was a good idea. Uh, I don't remember how I got up there sometimes, honestly. It was a bit of a drive, but somebody would get me a ride sometimes. I don't know. I don't remember who would. I'd get a ride, suffice to say. And um, I would attend the Sunday services that the cult, because it was still a cult back in uh, 91 um, and 92. And I'd, I'd, a cult, I'd attend the, the, the Sunday services uh, and sing songs. Uh, With the people and I think I sing one. I'll sing it again One of the songs uh, went like this Babylon Babylon the Great is Falling Babylon Babylon the Great is Falling And Gregory with this really crisp bell-like tenor would sing The mark of the beast is upon mankind. The rest of us would then sing, Babylon the great is falling. And all the ends of the earth are broken. Anyway, and that was fun times. Yeah, uh, I'd go up there and uh, participate sometimes. I read poems sometimes. I I smashed a gong a few times to kind of dramatically end the thing. It was a fun time. Uh, Michael had started to kind of step up and become more of a public figure for Best Friends of the time before he was... I don't know what happened to him, honestly. He suddenly wasn't involved some years ago. I don't know what went on there. But yeah, he was running kind of the the, the the religious portion of things, uh, celebration ritual-wise. So he yeah, got involved with him. He was a nice guy. So, um... uh, Some some of these things are going to be out of order, but it's okay. So I... On one of those Sundays, I went to uh, my to this, and then I attended the, the 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 kind of gathering that would happen before that uh, down at Angel's Landing, which is where there, it's a very common, ga- beautiful gathering place. There, my mother uh, and I were chatting briefly, and she said, "You know what? I've heard some of the kids aren't very happy about the way they grew up. They seem like they're angry even or bitter about the the, the life that they had at, at Dallas and stuff and stuff in faith school." And she said, "But that's not you, Jared, is it? You don't feel that way. How do you feel?" She said after seeing my slight reaction about this. Um, and I thought, you know, really fast, all the options of what I could say, and I decided to be honest. I said, "You know what? No, I I don't like it either. I'm 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 I've had to work over or work through some anger as well." She said, "F off," and walked away. Um, good times. A couple mother, couple more quick uh, things. Um, after I joined the church, um, the LDS church, I got a mission call a year and four months later to go to Brazil and happened to run into her that same day that I got my call in a, in a grocery store there in Canab in Glaciers. And I said, hey, I got a mission call to go uh, on this mission and I'm going to go to Brazil. And she said, oh, no, really? I said, yes. And I gave her a hug. I'm, It'll be great. And she said, but isn't that dangerous? And that was one of the sweetest things she ever did for me, honestly, she was very sweet in that moment. It was a, an actual motherly mo- moment where she could express concern for my, for my safety. So thank you, Magdalene, for that. Uh, one mo- more interesting thing, and, and then we have to talk about her end very briefly. Um, so when I moved to Kanab and got out of the cult, uh, one of the women in the cult, uh, kind of an original founder named Hope, uh, she had gotten kind of a property, not a property, she'd gotten a storefront. Um, in Kanab, actual downtown Kanab, and she'd made a thrift store called Best Friends Thrift Store, and she was doing this as, as an opportunity to help fund some of the operations, uh, and she was doing a nice job. It was kind of a dowdy store. It was fine. The whole front of it was clothes and trinkets and items that people had donated, but the back of the room was kind of a a living space, and that's where I played d and I might talk about that later in, on in another episode. But by the time I got back from my mission in Brazil, that had been closed, even, which was a shame. Um, and Magdalene had taken it over and had turned it into Best Friends Cafe. And Magdalene was a good cook, as I mentioned. And this was an, a weird thing for me because she had always been so devoted to what was it, whatever was going on over at the lake house that she, and having her suddenly be out there doing this restaurant was astonishing to me. And I helped her. And my best friend, Nathan um, Riddle, he, he also worked with her and they got along really well. And uh, she, she made a real go of it with Best Friends Cafe, uh, worked herself like crazy, uh, hired and fired and did all the employment things. She, she did a really good job of it. Unfortunately, she came down with cancer, uh, ovarian cancer, which is a the plague of my family, unfortunately, um, her, her dad and, uh, my cousin, um, and maybe somebody else as well actually had cancer. Um, and so she got ovarian cancer and she quit smoking and fought it off. Um, but then after fighting it off, she kind of started working hard again and then it came back and I don't know if they're connected. That's not for me to say. Um, but two weeks after, my newly married wife and I moved to Japan to teach English at a private high school, I got word that she'd passed. Um, I had said goodbye to her before we left the country. Um, she had been she, she was in California at a cancer clinic, and I'd flown down there specifically to see her and spend a few hours with her uh, and see my grandma, spend a few hours with her as well. Um, it was a really great trip. Uh, spent almost the last of our money on it. And then the last of our money went to our trip uh, to England, followed by our, our, our moving to Japan for a couple of years. And we had no money. And uh, missionaries from my church, they tracked us down uh, due to somebody having an inside idea for how to reach us. Because we didn't have a phone yet. This was back in 90, um, golly, 99. Um, and um, yeah, my the missionary those four missionaries had to tell me that my mother had died. And I knew that she was going I was a little surprised by how fast it had happened, Um, but uh, she had, she'd passed away uh, from the second resurgence, I think, or the resurgence of cancer, Um, and I, you know, I still am not at peace with my reaction. I I certainly, I mean, my first inclination was to make sure those missionaries didn't have too hard of a time. I told them, oh, no, 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 I knew it was coming. It's okay, because they looked just distraught by what they had to tell me, as if, it was a sudden thing, but I, I had known this was coming. So I felt a need to comfort them. But when I what, what I should have been feeling was a need to feel the grief and to process. And um, I, we weren't able to go back for a funeral because we had no money. Uh, and so we had to interact via um, a limited amount of email because our internet even wasn't even working. Um, and via uh, an intermittent phone call once we finally got our phones up. And then through a lot of letters and stuff, um, which was a real shame. Um, so you know, I, I didn't attend a funeral. My wife and I had a had a memorial uh, at home in our in our house that the school was providing for us there in Japan in the town of Yamagata, and um, that was kind of that. Um, I mean, you could say I have mommy issues because I don't really know what having a mom is like. Um, yeah, you know, I was feeling a little bit of a rush to hurry to get this done, but we're over 30 minutes and I said I'd try to get under, but we're not going to, we're going to have, a, we need a couple more minutes for this. Um, yeah, I mean, to, to a couple more things for you to have some insight into my mother. So, you know, I got home from my mission. For, I went out down to Brazil from 94 to 96, got home and moved uh, up to Provo, Utah in order to go to Brigham Young University. I would felt really strongly inclined to, to, to go to that school for so I could teach. Um, at the training center for missionaries up here in Provo, and um, met a girl really quick, uh, and just fell madly in love after some some time of, a lot of time spent with her, and she felt the same. And um, after a summer apart, we spent all of our time together again uh, in ninety. Let's see, in the winter of ninety seven, and got engaged. And I called her a, a week or so after we got engaged. My mother. And said, hey, I'm getting I'm engaged and we're gonna get married. And, you know, so I was this was this was the this was the winter of ninety seven, right? So I was twenty-three. And I was gonna be married the day before I turned twenty-four. So in her mind I was still very young. Guys, she was younger than that, I think, I'm pretty sure, when she first got married. Um but obviously what applies to her in her life doesn't apply to me in my life. And so on, you know, but yeah, I was getting married and um, she did not approve, um, which is too bad because <laughs> we we're getting married anyway. Um, she didn't approve. She's like, you're getting married. Are you going to just start popping out babies? And this was the what that was the first reaction she said over the phone. Now, maybe she had had a bad day, you know, but I'd experienced this a couple of times where she didn't approve of me joining the church. She wasn't particularly happy about me going on a mission. She did attend the meeting where I, you know, gave a, a talk in church and stuff, which was nice of her to do. Um, she uh, d- never approved, me, though, of me joining this church, um, which is fine. But then she, I think when I was getting married at what she saw as a young age, um, she, she she started worrying that I had become just full on one of these Mormon people and was going to start, you know, producing babies at a blistering rate and stuff. Uh Magdalene, mother, dear, you know, we have seven children now. Um, I know I have a pretty good idea of where you are and the nature of you at this time. And I know that it doesn't bother you. Um, there's no way it could, because this is the most beautiful family you'll ever see. Um, and you have a, a fuller understanding of existence, I think, now. So um, no apologies there. But, uh, you know, and, and, and then um, she got cancer. Uh, and, um, faded and then fought it back, fought it off. And then she faded again and passed away after we moved to Japan, you know, so I, I don't have any regrets whatsoever that about not being able to come back. We had said my goodbyes and, I, and unfortunately my grandma, her mother died some months later. Um, really not that long later, uh, when we were pregnant with our first one, our first baby who was born in Japan. And for that one, we were able to attend because it was my grandma's estate that paid for our travel. But, um, You know, I was looking back, I think, could I have done anything better? Could I have done anything different? And surely, of course, I could have done things better and different. But did I have it in me at that time to do anything better or different? Maybe I did. That is a question. I think I might have. I think that if I'd been able to get out of my own head a little bit more, out of my own life a little bit more, and seen her and listened to her, I could have gotten and built a deeper relationship. Certainly my brother, Matthias, did. Have a stronger relationship with her than I did, and, and that's the thing I'm I'm somewhat envious of, right? I, because he, he he did seem to be closer. He's somehow closer. Not somehow. He spent more time with him. He's closer to her family. You know, my our, our cousins and stuff, and aunts and uncles over in California. Um, and uh, you know that's just the way life was. Uh, he had a better relationship with her. He spent more time with her. Um, I pissed her off, you know, with saying that I was angry about the way I grew up. I mean, better to, for her to know, right? Um, I do wish that I had found it in me, myself to fill out that relationship and strengthen that relationship. But I was so determined to have my own family that I got singularly focused on that. Um, and so it's not a regret. It's just because, I, again, I don't think that I had it in me, but maybe I did. Uh, I just, I might, if I could go back, I might try to inject that wisdom into younger me. Um, so I wouldn't have a slight potential, sort of a, a, a shape of regret in there. Um, because honestly, I, I don't know what it's like to have a mother. Um, my dad's wife, Susan, is a delightful woman. She was sort of like a stepmother in many ways. But again, I was not dependent on them. Um, they let me so graciously live with them uh, on the living room and then later in a, in a bedroom for some time as I prepared my, myself for life, college and then, or mission and then college. Um, but uh, you know she so she's the closest thing I've ever had to a, a mother uh, aside from my mother-in-law I'd, I've only I've only ever called Susan Evelyn when she was in the cult and Susan when she was out um, but she's the closest to like a grazing me raising me type mother we just didn't spend nearly enough time um, and I was never in a position where I was ready to just trust and lean on her as a mom um, and now there's my mother-in-law, you know, um, who I who's the only person ever in this world I've ever called mom, and she's delightful and sweet, and but she's still not my mom. She's my mother-in-law. She didn't raise me. Uh, we've had some great experiences together. I love her dearly. She's a sweet, sweet woman who raised a beautiful, a beautiful group of girls. Um, but yeah, Jared's got mommy issues, you know. Mother's Day is a time where I see my wife and say, wow. Our kids got lucky, you know, um, they are blessed to have her and I feel fairly left out. Um, that's life though. Uh, we don't want it to dwell. I have, uh, I've got concerns. Um, I long for a mother sometimes. Um, I feel the shape of her not being a real mom to me, I'm missing. There's like a space there. Um, that'll probably always be there. It'll be something that I see or feel. I don't think it's an injury or a wound that never heals. I think there's just a, the memory of a space that, uh, should have been filled with, uh, with mom. Uh, and that's the note I'll end this on. We got really long, sorry for the extra long time, but needed to make sure we finished that off well and it wasn't enough for another episode. So next episode is episode 24. Uh, it's called, okay, I had a crush. It'll be one of the more colorful stories for the whole season. And thank you so much for tuning in. As always, tell your friends, share this podcast, review it, um, share it on social media with a hashtag cult insider or tales from a cult insider. Instagram, find me there. I'm just Jared Garrett. Um, Click on the support thing. Uh, Keep listening. Keep sharing. Love you guys and stay thirsty.